Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined once again by Goff from Beer Nuts Productions. Now, if you're a long-term listener of the show, you'll know that Goff appeared in episode 48 of the podcast, and also that he's an Australian filmmaker, but he's also legally blind. Now, if you haven't already listened to episode 48, I'd recommend going back and listening to that because Goff talks about how he became blind and sort of how blind he actually is, as well as a lot of the challenges that he's faced while obviously being a blind individual trying to follow his dream, essentially. Um, So I'd really recommend checking that out as a good introduction to Goff because in this episode, it is more so a continuation. You know, we speak about a lot of the things we kind of referenced the previous episode as well. Um, Not to say that this episode can't be enjoyed without listening to episode 48, but if you are interested in Goff and what he has to say and a lot of the things that he's essentially about, um, I really recommend going back and checking out episode 48. Now, as I said, obviously, Goff is actually blind, which makes him a very interesting person in the sense of he not only has a perspective on the world that obviously most uh, people don't, but also him being a a filmmaker and following his dreams just makes him such an inspirational person. And you speak with him and he's just, you'll hear it in this chat, he's really funny and easygoing and he's just a swell guy. Now, this is part one of our chat. Obviously, part two will be released next week at the same time. But just as a little bit of information on this episode, and we speak about the Book of Mormon a fair amount because Goff watched it shortly after our chat last time, so I wanted to speak to him about that. And we then talk about sort of marketing for our projects, like as in obviously I've got podcasting and uh, Goff has got Beer Nuts Productions. And we speak about his new film that I've actually seen, which is How to Land Your Dream Job. Um, that can be seen on Beer Nuts Productions, but we talk about that and things. Um, if you haven't seen that, then you'll still really enjoy the chat. It's not integral to enjoying and understanding what's going on. We obviously don't talk about um, the movie specifically in depth because we don't want to give any spoilers or anything. We then talk about sort of how long it takes Goff to make some of his films, as well as some of the crazy people that he's met along the way, um, as well as kind of Goff's uh, idea of making comedy universally appealing and these sorts of things. So, you know, it's quite a nice wide chat for anyone who's interested in filmmakers, um, comedy movies, or who just appreciates the sort of craft in general. Now, before the chat gets started, there'll be a quick promo by All Too Real 2 podcast. Um, I've included a link to their show in the description as well. But, you know, if you like the promo, go check those guys out. Um, and that's more or less it from me now, guys. I um, mean, you know, I always say like, subscribe, rate, review, all these sorts of usual things. I'm sure any of you who listen to a lot of podcasts are aware of, you know, re- reviewing on iTunes only takes a few moments and it is really, really helpful. Obviously, now it's like Apple Podcasts instead of iTunes, but whatever. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Do all the usual things on there. Um, and yeah, that's that's more or less it, I think. Um, I'll be back at the end of this, uh, at the end of part one of this chat with Goff, um, just to talk about what's going to happen in part two, as well as what's coming up in the uh, you know future episodes and things. So be sure to stick around for that. Anyway, thanks as always for listening, guys, and I'll talk to all of you at the end. Okay, everybody. My name is Michael E. Cohen II, and with me is Matthew Haas. We are the co-hosts of the All Too Real 2 podcast. On All Too Real 2, we uh, tackle pop culture topics uh, such as re- watching and reviewing uh, direct-to-DVD sequels. We review any and every all direct-to-video movies of yeah, all time. So that we review so you don't have to. Yeah. We also cover uh, pop culture topics. Topics, you know, like the history of Halloween, misconceptions, and things of that nature. Very educational and entertaining. And we've just started doing interviews with uh, people from uh, Hollywood and uh, people from pop culture, such as Larry Hankin, which we just interviewed recently, who you know from Seinfeld and uh, Friends and Billy Madison, among other things. So uh, where can they find our podcast, Matt? They can find it at iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and any other place that you can find podcasts on. Just tune in and enjoy.
Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And I am here with Goff from Beer Nuts Productions. Um, Goff, it's absolutely wonderful to have you on uh, once again, because I think we spoke um, earlier in the year, didn't we? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was probably one of your first in January, I reckon, that uh, I spoke to you. So, uh, yeah, no, it's great to speak to you again, Mike. Yeah, definitely. It's it's always a pleasure. And um, so what have you really been up to since sort of uh, late 2018, start of 2019? Well, we, we've been quite busy at the uh, Beer Nuts Productions Fun Factory. We've actually just released our 17th film. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's been the main thing that we've been up to. So, yeah, the How to Land That Dream Job. It's uh, Like I say, it's our 17th film and now it's uh, available to uh, download. Everybody can now watch it and hopefully enjoy it. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, you actually were kind enough to uh, send me a copy and so I've uh, watched all that and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, obviously watched it a, a week or so ago and, um, yeah, I thought it was really, really funny. I think the the sort of style that you do it in um, is, is fantastic. It reminded me a little bit of um, sort of The Office and Parks and Recreation. Have you seen um, either the US or UK Office at all or Parks and Recreation? Uh, I've, I've, I know of Parks and Recreation. I haven't actually watched that. Uh, the promos actually look quite funny, so I would like to get around to watching that. But yeah, I have seen the English version of The Office. I never watched the uh, US remake of it because, uh, I don't know, the remakes are never usually quite as good, usually. But uh, I could be way wrong. I don't know. But uh, I, I did watch, obviously, the Ricky Gervais one. So yeah, but mm. uh, it, it was funny, actually, because... I, I would, uh, me personally, I would classify How to Land This Dream Job as a mockumentary, whereas Simon, who's my main production guy, he thought it was more of a sitcom type thing. And yet a couple of people I've spoken to have quite alarmingly said that it's probably something that they could actually play at HR departments in all offices all over the place. <laughs> that is the sort of thing I think it was. I mean, when I saw that, the sort of, I did get a degree of like the office sort of vibe. I mean, the, the US and the UK one are quite different. I've, I've recently started watching the US one and I did like the original with Ricky Gervais, but obviously all of the humour is like, it's very, very clever, but it's so awkward. And it's like, I can take a, I can take a degree of awkward humour, but sometimes it's so much. I'm just watching it like, I can only watch one or two episodes and I need a break because it is just it's so well done and you just sat there feeling so uncomfortable with like yes. David Brent uh, and I thought that there's there's pieces of that um in your in your sort of uh, in your movie as well and I did think that the US officer I think it is a good show I'd say if you watch Parks and Recreation um and then you enjoy that then it's worth uh checking out the US office because it's it's uh, the Parks and Recreation format is taken quite a lot from the office but it is that sort of almost like a mockumentary but obviously with the american ones it's a lot more of a sitcom whereas when like the uk office came out i think a lot of people thought it was a genuine bbc documentary and that david brent was an actual person (laughs) (laughs) which is absolutely brilliant i mean did you have any specific um sort of influences or things that made you really want to sort of do how to land your dream job was there uh, any sort of ticking point well, I, I had, uh, when, when I do a project, after I finish doing a particular, whatever the project is, I've got like uh, files on my computer, like just uh, scripts and ideas all written down. And I'd just written a couple of uh, comedy sketches, like job interview comedy sketches. So I had uh, the criminal guy and I had the stuttering guy. They were two that I'd written and there was one or two other ones there as well. And so I thought to myself, well, 
what if I put them together in like a bit of a mockumentary kind of format? And so that's what I did. So I had those four to start with. And then I thought, well, I'm going to have to now target every corner of society, which was my goal. So I've ended up with 16 applicants applying for a range of different jobs. And hopefully I've targeted sort of every corner of society. So, you know, when I was writing it, I'm like, well, I need that stuck up, snobby, bitchy housewife. I haven't got her in there. So we'll put her in. And I need, you know, the slutty young chick. So I'll put her in there. And then I need a guy who's like God's gift to women. So I'll put him in there. So then I need someone who's desperate for sympathy all the time, you know, like you see on the TV talent show. So we'll put him in there. So it was it was about targeting kind of every corner of society because I'm a firm believer in if you're going to make fun of one thing, you have to make fun of everything. You just can't pick on one type of people. You've got to pick on everybody equally. So that was kind of my goal when I was writing it. So, yeah, so I wrote the sketches first and then there's a voiceover narration in the piece as well. And that came later. So I would write the sketch and then I would be like, well, what do we quote unquote learn from this particular person or situation? And so then I had to come up with the the learning experience. So the narration was the last thing that went in. Oh, that, that, that's brilliant. I mean, I thought that the, the narration was incredibly funny, especially at certain parts where it's, um, without obviously spoiling it, there is a moment where you said um, something, 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 just don't be a fuckwit. And that bit absolutely got me like the perfect timing of it and all the things that happen in, in the, uh, in the film is just absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned just before we start recording, but, um, each of the employees obviously pops up and says employee number one, two, three or whatever. And, um, I think it was employee number 15 which was a guy who was um, just constantly, I think it might have been the sympathy one where he was just constantly going on about this person's died and that person's died. And I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it was just, it was so funny. I was proper belly laughing when I was watching it. And um, yeah, with in that same sort of regard, obviously uh, we spoke about it uh, briefly last time where obviously you trying to uh, with your previous films as well you try and target every sort of demographic you don't sort of attack any specific group of individuals you try and hit everyone because you know can laugh at everyone and obviously that um when we spoke about it i mentioned that i really like that south park does that sort of thing and that kind of um, led on to a conversation which i didn't want to ask you about which was um a book of mormon because i know that last time we spoke you were off to go see it and so have you've uh, i assume you've gone and seen it now yeah, yeah, I did. And uh, yeah, I uh, I loved every single second of it. I thought it was like <laughs> the greatest thing ever. I, I really, really loved it. I, I yeah, I, I can't, uh, I can't fault any. I, actually, this is kind of a weird coincidence on how things can just work in life. But uh, the guy in How to Land That Dream Job, who was employee number two, who wanted to smoke his cigarettes and whatnot, mm-hmm. he, uh, that particular guy is actually an usher at uh, the Lyric Theatre where the Book of Mormon was playing and I had no idea of this and so you know he came in for his audition and everything was fine I went to go see the Book of Mormon and everything was fine and then I'm just chatting to him after the shoot and you know I'm like oh Michael because I mean most actors here also have day jobs because you know there's not enough acting work to keep them going full time so I said Michael just out of curiosity do you do anything else other than acting and he says oh yeah I'm, I'm an usher at QPAC and I'm like wow really he said yeah I said I went to go see the Book of Mormon there a few weeks back he said oh yeah he, he said what do you think and I told him that I really enjoyed it and he said uh, I said to him how many walkouts do you get a night and he said oh at least five or six uh, people walk out because he said you have just your theatre going people 
who don't do any research on what they're about to see and they just go to every single show no matter what is playing and he said so they go and about uh, the uh, third or fourth song in the uh, the the african song the fuck you god song he said that's <laughs> the one where if they're going to walk out that's the where they'll walk out he said so and he he, he really liked it as an actor because he's seen it. He said, I said to him, how many times have you seen it? And he said, Oh, about 18 times. And oh, wow. so, cause obviously being an usher, he's, he's got to watch it. So he, uh, he said, it's really good as an actor. Cause you get to sort of dissect the performances and see how one actor does it this way. And the understudy does it that way. And he said, it's really interesting to sort of see the actors at work and working. He said, it's almost like uh, doing a bit an acting school kind of thing. So, he, uh, he he loves that job working at QPAC as an usher because he finds it really helpful for his own acting. And, and I mean, I thought he was obviously great in the film, which is why I hired him. But uh, he, uh, yeah, he's a nice guy and hopefully I get to work with him again soon. Oh yeah, well that's it's really cool when you sort of have these sort of projects the different people you can meet. And um, with Book of Mormon, it, back to that just briefly, it was... Um, when I saw it, I really, really enjoyed it as well. And it's my girlfriend's favorite uh, musical among like one or two others. And um, like I saw, I went and saw Wicked with her, which is the Wizard of Oz one, which is pretty good. Um, and we also were planning on seeing Avenue Q, which is like, it's maybe like the Muppets, but like adult. And they've got like lots of sort of swear words in their songs and lots of like vulgar language and that sort of thing. And that's meant to be a really funny one as well. But I think you and I in the same boat in a sense of like, we're not really huge theatre people. Like I haven't got, I haven't got a problem with theatre, but it's just not necessarily my kind of thing. But obviously Book of Mormon blends that brilliance of humour and, and music in such a masterful way. Well, that's why it's so clever. You're, you're absolutely right. Because yeah, I reckon I might've gone to the theatre maybe three or four times in my life. And it's not because I don't want to, it's just that there's other things I'd rather do, I guess. I mean, it's nothing against it. I mean, the few shows I've gone to, I've really enjoyed. Book of Mormon's definitely the best thing I've ever seen uh, theatre-wise, but that's because, like you just said, it's uh, so well written. And I actually, because when I uh, go to any kind of show or anything like that, I, I want to like get totally immersed in what I'm seeing. So, you know, I've got the program and all of that sort of stuff. And I was reading through it and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, it was, I think it was something like three or four years in development. And you can tell because, I mean, the writing is so incredible. And uh, in, the, in the program, they said they did workshops every six months where they'd get actors and dancers in and they'd do the whole thing. And then they'd rewrite it all. And then another six months, they'd redo the whole thing again. It was uh, so, uh, but you can tell, I mean, it's so incredibly done. And it's so clever, like you say, the way they're able to combine the comedy that fellas like you and I really love to like your non-theatre going kinds of people, getting that sort of comedy in there, but then giving it the theatre twist, which makes it work. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, I just think it's wonderfully written. It's wonderfully performed. I couldn't, yeah, I can't fault it. And if people out there uh, are listening and they haven't gone to see it and it's playing somewhere nearby, I would definitely make the effort because... I really thoroughly enjoyed it, and you're giving it two thumbs up. So, I mean, what could be bad about it, hey? <laughs> exactly. It is one of those shows that I genuinely believe if if you aren't essentially if you don't get if you're not a religious individual and gets offended by sort of um, light blaspheming, as well as you're not too much of a prude. I mean, there's nothing hor- the eyes class is horrendously vulgar in there at all, especially not for South Park standards. But um, there obviously are some bits where obviously there's that song, the <laughs> "Fuck You God" song, which is actually mine and um, my girlfriend's. I think it's probably our favourite song, except maybe "Hello." I think the way they did "Hello" is just brilliant. 
I, I actually have that phrase that uh, Cashadia water or whatever it is. I've actually got that on a T-shirt. So I actually bought a T-shirt when I was there as well with that oh, on nice. it. So, yeah. I was walking down the street the other day and as I'm, I'm walking past a total stranger and he just pointed at me and has gone, Book of Mormon. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, it's <laughs> great, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just uh, as we were walking past each other on the street. But uh, yeah, but it, it's hilarious because obviously – it hasn't been playing in Australia very long at all, so not many people have actually seen it. So it's amazing how many people stop me and it's like, what the hell does that mean on your T-shirt? I don't know what's going on. So, yeah, <laughs> but because uh, uh, I had three to choose from and uh, I went with that one because I thought that would be the uh, the best option. So, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely brilliant. As obviously myself and Goff are both saying, everyone should go check out. Um, go check it out. I've said it to all my friends, even the ones who aren't really into theatre. I'm like, just just watch it. It's 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 an outlier. It will really make you laugh, and it's just the songs are incredible, and everything about it is just really funny. Well, the, the the good the good news is, Mike, for fellas out there who want to do something nice for their girlfriend, they could be like, take them to that, and it looks like they're actually doing something nice for them by taking them to the theatre. Whereas really they're actually getting something out of it themselves because it's not actually a proper theatre show, so to speak. It's kind of like when you go to see a romantic comedy, at the, you know, with your girlfriend at the cinema, and you actually find it really funny and entertaining, even though going in you were like, "Oh my god, do I really have to go and watch this?" So you know, <laughs> it's one of those things where you can be a little bit sneaky, and uh, you know, you take your girlfriend along, and she thinks you doing a good turn but really you know you're just all about in it for yourself you know <laughs> exactly that's 100 percent it. it's uh it, it was one of those things i think me and um yeah me and megan i took her to see uh, wicked and then she actually got me tickets to see um book of mormon but it was so it's kind of that little switch but I've, I've also got tickets to go take her to see avenue q i think we're just kind of swapping between taking each other different shows <laughs> but uh yeah i mean there was also um when deadpool came out i think it was deadpool 2 uh I think uh, more so than the first one. They did loads of adverts for like um, like in a rom com sort of style, and it had you know like Ryan Reynolds and I can't remember the other lead in Deadpool, but they had like loads of these scenes where they're being romantic with each other and stuff, and it was like. Uh, a lot of women who didn't know women, a lot of partners of people who didn't know who Deadpool was, they saw all these adverts that were like rom commy sort of love films. And then their boyfriends went and took them to see them because it came out, I think, on Valentine's Day as well. Um, and so all these people took their uh, partners to go see them, expecting this, you know, lovely film. And then it was Deadpool 2, <laughs> which is absolutely incredible. And that sort of marketing is just my absolute favorite when they kind of, they really go that extra mile for that sort of thing. And I, I think that's absolutely wonderful. Well, marketing, I mean, just talking about marketing in general, it's something that uh, for Beer Nuts Productions that I've found to be the hardest thing because, I mean, there's so much entertainment now for people to choose from. It's really hard to put your head above the crowd and say, look at me, look at me, check out my thing. So, I mean, marketing is so difficult. So you have to be super clever about how you do it. And when you have a really good idea, like what you just said with Deadpool, and I mean, the Book of Mormon, I mean, that would have been, that's been really, really well marketed as well. I mean, because it's so well written, it lends itself to being marketed so well. So, I mean, if you're able to market your product really, really well, I mean, that that goes a long way to being successful, you know. So, yeah, marketing is always a challenge for us at Beer Nuts Productions and something that we constantly have to stay on top of. And so, yeah, if you, like I say, if you're able to to place yourself a bit above everybody else, well, it's just going to help, you know what I mean? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, that's one of the things that I find hardest um, about podcasting. You know, I've, I've said to people before, I love, you know, sitting down, having like a, a long conversation with people who I wouldn't necessarily have spoken to if I didn't have a podcast, individuals such as yourself. And it's really, really fulfilling. But then it's like, you know, in the week having to post on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or anything like that and trying to think of something funny and clever to say with the, the right hashtags and this and that and the other. And it's just... It's, it sounds really selfish and really like a, a dick move thing almost, but it's just like, I just want everyone to know what I make is awesome. And then, then people just find it. But instead, obviously, it's, as you say, there's so many people in not only podcasting, but in every realm of media, you now have to yeah make a huge effort to really make yourself stand above everyone else. I mean, it, it's a nightmare. Yeah, no, because you are, you are correct. It's very annoying because, I mean, other people that might be listening who are filmmakers or podcasters or or whatever they might be creativity-wise, that they're probably thinking exactly the same as you and me, which is, you know, I've got a product here which I think is really fantastic and I think people will really, really enjoy it if only I could get it in front of their eyeballs and ear holes so they know that I exist, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, it's really frustrating, but, I mean, you, you just have to keep plugging away because if you want people to enjoy your work, which we all do, then you've got no other choice, really. You can't just sit on your hands. You gotta, you gotta be active in that space. And it's annoying and it's frustrating, but it's just uh, the pain in the ass of the job. I mean, not all jobs can be fun all the time. You gotta, there's gotta be some shitty parts to uh, what you do. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. And uh, leading on from that, regarding making, because obviously I'm not a filmmaker, so I, I used to make um, YouTube videos a bit in college, and I made like a couple of little video projects and things when I was a bit younger, but. What sort of, I know we touched about it a little bit on our last chat, but just a, as a refresher for people who haven't checked it out, what what's the sort of timeline of you going from, if we do have a How to Land Your Dream Job as an example, from you going, okay, I, I, I want to make this film, from that sort of moment you had after you started writing a few more sketches after having the two already done, how long does it take you to generally to release the film and what are the, a, lot, a lot of the sort of processes that people potentially wouldn't expect from a, making a film? Yeah, absolutely. So once uh, the final punctuation has been put on the page, uh, the first thing I do is budget it. So uh, I've got to make sure that I've got enough money to make it, which is, uh, well, actually that happens beforehand, to, to be honest, because uh, I, I look at my bank account and I see, well, the Beer Nuts Productions bank account, not my personal one, mm -hmm. but uh, I look at the Beer Nuts Productions bank account and I'm like, okay, well, I've got this amount of money. So then I go through my scripts and I'm like, can't do that, can't do that. Ah, I could do that one. So I, I read it, I edit it, I do what I need to do to the script. Then I just recheck to make sure that yes, I budget it properly to make sure, you know, because obviously everybody that's involved has to get paid. So with the How to Land a Dream job, I've got 21 actors, I've got seven crew members and I've got, uh, yeah, yeah, 21 actors, seven crew members. I've got costumes that a couple of them needed to be hired. Um, I've got uh, obviously artwork that needs to be done. Well, props, uh, props, artwork, they're the same thing in my mind. So <laughs> I've got them that need to be made. So uh, I've got also locations I need to source to make sure that uh, this one was easy, but because uh, we just used my actual office. So that was easy. <laughs> um, and then uh, the, the house we use is actually Simon, the uh, main production man. We just used, I said, can we shoot outside your house? And he's like, yeah, sure. Easy for me. I just have to roll the equipment out of the garage. That's a, that's easy. So yeah, the, the locations this time was simple. So it's just uh, going through all that stuff. So, cause I, I'm, 
anally organized because you have to be anally organized. But um, so I go through all that stuff to make sure that, yes, it's budgeted correctly. These are everything that I need. Then it's on to casting. So, well, uh, the crew I already know. So I, I call up the different crew members that I need and, you know, organize the date, make sure they're all sweet. Then uh, casting for this one took a long time because, uh, like I said, there's 21 cast members. So that took uh, a good, oh, at least a month, probably more six weeks to, to cast it, to get all the, I mean, some of the cast I had worked with before, but not all of them. So probably about, I don't know, out of the 21, I'd say off the top of my head, maybe eight or nine I'd worked with before. So mm. I still made them audition because that's important. I still need to know that they can, that they understand the jokes and they're going to be able to deliver the jokes how I need them to be delivered. So I still make everybody audition. So yeah, casting and then uh, rehearsing. So with this one, uh, a lot of rehearsal, because again, a lot of cast means a lot of rehearsal. So once the final punctuation mark was put on the page, uh, it was about 12 weeks of pre-production. So 12 weeks of preparation and then we film, edit, and release all in one week. So there's no mucking around when it comes time to doing it. So, yeah, it's all about organization and preparation, making sure that everything is 100% good to go. And then on the day, I had pretty much every actor would come in at half an hour intervals, and we would knock out one, boom, he goes, next one's in. Knock them out, boom, they go, next one's in. So it was kind of like we just churned them through like butter. So... Uh, that's kind of how the filming day went. And then, yeah, we just edit it up and it goes straight to uh, the IT people as soon as it's edited and they put it up straight away. So, yeah, the, the back end's really, really quick, but it can only be quick if you're super, super organised and prepared, which uh, I make sure that I am and make sure that my actors are as well because, you know, their performance is obviously key to making it funny. So, yeah, that's that's really important. Yeah, um, and also um, in the same line of things, when it comes to casting, I'm um, out of interest. Obviously, uh, don't say anyone's name specifically if this is the case. But did you audition any people, or have you auditioned people over the the years of doing beer nuts that are just like insane, essentially? Because <laughs> you mentioned it, obviously, in Houseland, your dream job. You know, if uh, you're in for an interview, try and be sort of sane and normal ish. But as soon as you're hired, <laughs> you can be crazy as insane as you want because they're stuck with you now. But like. <laughs> Have you actually like interviewed for, for beer nuts? Have you actually had any people who are just mental that you've had to sort of turn away? Or have you been quite Absolutely. lucky? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> actually, the uh, one of the characters is almost verbatim uh, a job interview. So I, I was looking for somebody. We spoke about marketing earlier. So I, I put the, the ad out to uh, for I needed a marketing consultant for beer nuts productions. So I put the ad out to all the appropriate places. And a guy came in for the job interview and uh, employee number two, who was the uh, the guy who wanted to have a cigarette. But the before that, there's a conversation, a back and forth that he and I have. And that back and forth before he starts with the cigarettes, because that part is made up. But uh, the back and forth he and I have is almost verbatim what happened in that job interview looking for a marketing guy. This guy came in and I'm like, well... How are you going to be, bring people to the Beer Nuts Productions website? And he's like, well, that depends. Depends on what? Depends on what you want. Like, it just, it went on. And I'm like, are you, are you insane? I mean, that's, what, what, is, what is wrong with you? Get out of my office. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have had a few nutbags uh, come in. And, and, I mean, with actors, I mean, uh, actors have kind of a reputation for being, some of them can be slightly eccentric. 
I mean, they're creative people. So that's just sort of par for the course. And yeah, no, I've had, uh, I've had some uh, strange folks uh, audition as well, just for a range of different roles that I've done over the years. I've had some, uh, some actors come in who were, yeah, would just uh, blow your mind, I think, if uh, you were a fly on the wall. Uh, no doubt about that. So, you know, I've had all kinds of uh, strange experiences, which I suppose was one of the other reasons why with How to Land That Dream Job, I was able to sort of write it as quickly as I could because, I mean, I've auditioned a lot of people. I mean, I've been in that situation of interviewing a lot of people because an audition is essentially a job interview. I make it that way when I my auditions are run quite differently from how a regular production company would do their auditions. I, like I, how I get the actors in is the same, but how I run the audition is I make them do the entire scene. Whereas usually with an audition, you just have to sort of memorize a paragraph, a dialogue or something like that. But I want to make sure, because we have limited budget and limited time, I want to make sure that they understand all the jokes. So I make them read through all of their role. So it might take 20 minutes for the audition and I make them do the whole thing and I don't give them any direction. It's about me seeing how they get the jokes because obviously uh, everybody sort of interprets comedy very differently. So I want to make sure that they're on my wavelength before I, I give them any sort of direction or anything like that. So that that's sort of how I run an audition. So yeah, I've, I've seen numerous actors and some of them are lovely, fantastic, creative, wonderful people. And uh, there's a small percentage of them that are a bit cuckoo bananas. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of get a degree of that vibe when I was um, watching the film and I was like, I was like, I'm sure he's met at least one kind of person who is just like these. Because I mean, I've never had to interview anyone, um, but I have, you know, I've been working for several years now as in... I think I've been working like in a proper job for eight or nine years, I think. So obviously I've seen people sort of come in and not necessarily the interview process, but I've seen them before and after the interview and other people who, when they start a first job, they do genuinely act absolutely insane. And you know, normally they get let go and you're just like, why would you like some of the random things people do? It's one of the things that made me laugh so much about what you saw was just like, this is obviously sort of a parody, a mockumentary, that sort of thing. But it's like, there are so many people in here that genuinely are, like people I've come into contact with in my life. And I was, I was certain that you had definitely made contact with at least someone like those sort of people. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up actually, because another thing, obviously when I'm editing that particular script is I want to make it as relatable as possible. So I want people when they watch it to, to be like pointing at the screen and going, yes, I know a woman just like her, or <laughs> I've met a guy just like him, or there was a dude last week who I bumped into, who is just like that guy. So I want to make it as relatable as possible. So the fact that you say, you know, you, you've sort of uh, run across some of these folks in real life is really good. That's uh, that's something that I'm really pleased about because obviously that means I succeeded in that particular <laughs> task because, you know, I mean, when people watch a film, no matter what the film might be, you know, there needs to be some kind of relatability to the characters. So that's really cool that uh, that you thought that. Yeah, well, it's it, it's a really clever. It, it's your comedy, as I think we spoke about it in the last chat as well. But to say it again is, 
you have a lot of the, you can see a lot of the different influences, but not, obviously, how did I land a dream job? It was slightly more uh, restricted in the sort of variety of things you could do with it, in, in a sense. But obviously, what you, the space that you had was absolutely fantastic and you used every uh, thing that you could. But obviously, when there's certain other of your films, you know, it's a bit more of a wider berth, so there's different locations and actually uh, a bit more that you can do with it. So more so looking at all of the films in general, you can kind of see the the different t- kinds of comedy. And uh, as we spoke about it previously, was... Um, you and I, in that sense, like a lot of different types of comedy, but not necessarily just sort of tunnel vision and go at one. You know, it's not just the sarcastic humour. It's there's a bit of, you know, there's the satire and the parody of it, but then there's also just the outright outrageous, like you had the mum who was, I think, uh, going to the methadone clinic and was just yelling at you constantly, you know, kid was there (laughs) and like all this sort of thing. And then, you know, in some of the other shows, in some of the other films rather, you've had, um, you know, more slapsticky things just pop up and like the odd jokey sex reference and things. And it's just, you've got also the commentary on this as well, um, which is absolutely brilliant too. So you've you've got all these different layers of comedy, which will all hit the mark to probably, like a lot of people may not like every strand of comedy, but they're going to like at least one. And that, because you've managed to kind of wrap up so many in one go, it's uh, it's universal in a sense. Yeah, no, well, uh, when I'm writing a script, because obviously my stuff is available for download off the internet, it's really important that people doesn't matter where they're based. They might be in Luton or they might be in Las Vegas. It doesn't matter. They need to be able to understand the jokes. So I can't be using just Australian humor and Australian terms because then all of a sudden it, no one overseas is going to understand what the hell I'm talking about. So it's really important for me when I'm editing my scripts that I make sure that any sort of phrases or terminology that might have snuck in there, that I make sure that. Uh, I get them out or I turn it into something that's universal. Otherwise, you know, it it narrows down my audience base and that's not what I want to do. I want to make sure that everybody can enjoy my work. So yeah, no, I do make a very conscious effort to make sure that I'm as universal as I can possibly be. Well, yeah. And I think whenever someone is a a creator, you have to kind of do that anyway. But obviously when someone isn't in America, you have to kind of push that even further. I mean, you know, one thing over here in England um, for either films or music and any sort of content creation, the the, the, the buzz, the talk is always, have they broke America? Now, obviously with the internet, it's a lot easier to do that sort of thing. But I remember sort of going back when CDs were very prominent and you didn't have Spotify and streaming and that sort of thing. Uh, With music in particular, it was like you had bands who are huge in England but didn't break America and then as soon as they can get over there then it's widespread across the world and I would imagine that Australia has the similar sort of thing of a similar amount of films and things that are really big in just Australia Um, and I know that um, England has the same sort of thing as well but then there is almost like a threshold of like a invisible line where certain music or movies or whatever gets to a certain level of popularity it then kind of explodes and shoots around the world and so it's really good that you want to try and utilize the internet for what it's for you know the interconnectivity of it and trying to spread your uh your media across the whole world because it is it's such a hard thing to break other countries um, do you do you see on not obviously going into specific uh download numbers or anything but on your site can you see f- from across the world who's actually been um sort of viewing uh your content can you see people from all the different um side of the world or are you kind of just a bit unknown about it no, 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 no. There's a few uh, programs. So obviously when people download my work, uh, it goes through PayPal uh, mm. and also people can sign up to the Beer Nuts Productions newsletter, which is MailChimp, which uh, uh, most people 
that uh, would run businesses would obviously know. Well, everybody sort of knows about PayPal, but uh, people who run businesses would know about MailChimp because it's a marketing. It's just a marketing thing that you can do newsletters through. It's, it's really easy to use. But um, uh, yeah, so and both of them give you, uh, you can get statistics from there with uh, your downloads and all of that sort of stuff. So uh, I don't pay a huge amount of attention to where the downloads are coming from, to be honest with you, because that's not really something that matters to me mainly because like I said earlier, I, I just, I want everybody to be enjoying it. So I suppose uh, in a way, I suppose I like to see where maybe I'm not hitting and try mm. and get, you know, a magazine interview or a podcast interview in that region. So I can try and broaden my horizons in that region. So it's, it's not sort of, uh, so I, I suppose if anything, I'm using it for the reasons that other people don't use it because most people use it to target their specific audience. Whereas I want to use it to target audience that aren't seeing me so I can get them in as well, you know? So I suppose I use it for opposite reasons that other businesses would, but uh, yeah, I can, I can get stats and all that sort of stuff, but it's not something that I, I tend to spend time, you know, lying awake in bed worrying <laughs> about, to be honest. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's a good way to be um, about it all. Because, like, for example, with me, I am um, on the, my host for the podcast. I, I see on there, um, it tells me where most of the downloads are from, and it's majority America, then England, and then like a couple of others from like Canada and Australia and things like that. But it's I glance at it every now and then, but I don't I don't pay a huge amount of attention to it because I know certain podcasters and certain people who release music, which like every day they get up and they check the numbers, and you know they just they wind themselves up by the numbers not being high enough because it's like well, if you look at it, it's almost like losing weight. If you weigh yourself every day, you're not really going to notice the big changes. But if you only do it, you know once a week or once a month, but you're still stringent with everything, you'll notice the sort of the big jumps a lot more. And that's what I try and tell people when, especially with podcasting, where it's like, okay, your download numbers today may not have been that good, but don't look at it and fret and worry and, you know, get yourself in a twist because of it. It's just maybe this day is different for, you know, X, Y, Z reason. Maybe it's just been a really hot day in wherever you're trying to target and people just aren't listening to podcasts at that time. Yeah, no, your, your, your weighing analogy, like as in you don't weigh yourself every day is actually a brilliant analogy. That's, yeah, that's exactly the exact same, yeah. I couldn't have worded that any better. That's that's the exact <laughs> way you should describe it to because it's ridiculous to weigh yourself every day because I mean you might take a massive dump one morning and one you know, one <laughs> kilo lighter than you were the day before and the next day you don't, you know? So I mean it, it's silly. So yeah, no, you you're absolutely 100% correct. And I think another thing uh in regards to that, so I mean, you hear about uh younger people uh, than us, uh, getting all upset, uh, checking like their Instagram and their Facebook to see how many likes, you know, a certain post has had and then, you know, mm. tearing their hair out if they <laughs> haven't had so many likes and whatnot, you know, and they're checking it every 10 minutes and driving themselves insane and ev ending up having to go into therapy for it, you know, so it's just about, you know, calming the farm and just uh, relaxing and doing things in a sensible sort of manner, you know, and yeah, I I'm, I'm with you in that regard. So yeah, 100%. Yeah, and um, just you, you brought up social media there. It's interesting. I noticed that um, obviously where Beer Nuts hits uh, the mark on a lot of different social issues. Um, I think social media may have been mentioned very uh, briefly in passing and things, but I just want to know your sort of uh, your opinion on it. And I mean, I would imagine that apart from sort of uh, the marketing side of things for Beer Nuts, that you're not really you're much too, of a, too much of a busy man to really be on Facebook or uh, Instagram all the time. And, and am I right to assume that sort of uh, that's your general opinion of social media? 
yeah, pretty much. It's a necessary evil. So <laughs> I use it for my, my business. And obviously, I try and put as much uh, fun and entertaining content up there as I possibly can because it's a part of my business. It's a part of who I am and who Beer Nuts Productions is. So mm. it's uh, important for me to post. So I do. So if people hit up, I'm on YouTube, I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, they just type in Beer Nuts Productions and I come up and hopefully they see uh, some cool posts that they really enjoy. Uh, but it's not something, again, like I don't post every five minutes. I'm not one of those annoying people that just <laughs> post and post and post it and you just go, oh my God, I can't handle you anymore. Unfollow. That's not who I am. So yeah, there'll be a few posts every week. Uh, hopefully, like I say, they're entertaining and people enjoy them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I find it more of a necessary evil. I don't go on there for any sort of uh, social interactions with people. I'm kind of old school. If I want to talk to somebody, I'll actually physically talk to them. So I'll, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't, uh, I don't use social media for, I actually got in trouble because I missed a friend's, uh, his kid was being uh, the, the christening of his latest child. Mm. And he just put a Facebook invitation up. Well, I didn't see his Facebook invitation, so I didn't go. So if he had <laughs> have actually called me or emailed me, I would have attended. But just putting a general Facebook invitation out to people, I don't see that because I don't hit people's pages and stuff. So that's just not what I do. So I said to him, you know, he's like, why didn't you come? I'm like, well, buddy, you got to tell me these things. You know, I don't, I don't sit around looking at Facebook invitations. So yeah, I just, uh, if you want to, if you want to talk to me, then you can talk to me. You know what I'm saying? So that's just, exactly. yeah, that's sort of how I sort of roll with that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. I, I get that. And also a lot of the um, individuals that I've spoken to um, on the podcast, especially ones who are uh, entrepreneurs or like successful people, people trying to sort of really push a product or uh, push, you know, um, some sort of media outlet or their own sort of business and things. I noticed that a lot of them say similar things, in, including myself, I feel like, you know, I very rarely go on social media now just to kind of you know, aimlessly scroll and find out information about people. It's now instagram twitter and facebook i'd say about 80 to 90 percent of my time spent on those uh, sites is just for promoting the podcast you know it's you've got a reason you need to have a reason yeah exactly 100 percent agree with you and it's it when you described it as sort of the um the necessary evil i couldn't agree more than that i mean i'm not i don't think i don't think you're saying it and i'm not either I'm not saying that social media is actually evil but it's one of those things <laughs> that when you're like a content creator it's like i've got all these ideas i've got all this stuff i want to do or i've got all this stuff i want to push out and it's like yeah but basically the way the world is now is that you just have to post loads of stuff on social media and it is so dull it's like my least favorite thing about podcasting <laughs> it's, it's yeah, the worst. Well, that, that's why i try and make any content i do i try and make it as entertaining as i can you know but you know at the but like, like you say, you know, I jump on there. I, I always make sure uh, when I first hired uh, my marketing uh, guru, uh, she said to me, don't post more than four or five times in a seven day period because people will just get sick of you. So you, you can't be posting seven days a week or, or like twice or three times in a day because people will just switch their brains off and go, ah, oh, not him again. You need <laughs> to make sure that people actually want to see your content and so when it pops up in their feed they're like oh great there's another post from beer nuts productions or yeah genuine chit chats just done another interview let's check that out so you, you you need them to actually want to see your content not go oh my god not this guy again so yeah it's a balancing act that you got to do so yeah and, and that's why it's it's frustrating 
but you need to do it. And it, it can be like, I mean, it can be engaging and fun. And I get told off by my marketing person all the time that I don't engage enough with, uh, with the fans and people that enjoy my work. And that's something that I need to improve on. It's not something I, I do on purpose. I'm not purposely ignoring people. That's not mm. what I'm about. It's just, I don't, uh, I don't spend a lot of time on there. So I don't, uh, yeah, I, I prefer to be making the actual films and the content for people to enjoy, you know, kind of like what you said earlier, I prefer to be busy making the movies and audio downloads and things like that for people to download and enjoy than typing up some kind of funny little post or whatever. So yeah, but uh, I do understand, you know, I've got enough common sense to know that you've got to be on there and you've got to keep it going and all that sort of stuff. It's just not something that, yeah, I'm constantly being told off to, to, to do a better job. And uh, I, I constantly try and do a better job. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, I've been, um, I've spoken to other podcasters as well. And they always say, you know, engagement is key. And it's that sort of thing. And it's like, I already spend X amount of hours a week, you know, uh, recording these podcasts, doing some research on them normally beforehand. So I've got some notes, editing, all that sort of jazz, and then releasing a podcast as well. And then also having to sort of ask questions to people who are listening or paying attention to then get their opinions on things to then respond to them as well. And it's like, I do, I do want to hear all these people's opinions, but I'm, I'm just running out of time. I, I just don't have enough time to be able to speak to loads of people constantly. <laughs> You know, well, that, that's that's very true. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think people take for granted how easy it is to do. You know w- what you do and what I do. I think people think we just uh, rock up and bang, there it goes. Whereas, <laughs> you know, I've got to I've got to write a script, I've got to cast it, I've got to get the crew, I've got to organise everything, I've got to get the budget together, I've got to pay people, I've got to make sure that, like, I'm running a proper business here. You know, I've got to make sure that everything happens properly. Otherwise, you know, I'll end up in jail or shot or something (laughs) bad will happen, you know? So I've got to make sure. And at the end of the day, I've got to make sure that my content, my actual proper content that's on the website, that's on beernutsproductions.com, I've got to make sure that that's as entertaining as possible. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how good my social media stuff is. People just aren't going to download. They're not going to enjoy it. So my number one concern has to be the the content of my material so when i when i do how to land that dream job i got to make sure it's as good as it possibly can be so that people enjoy it and get a laugh out of it and then they'll come back and they'll download the next project or they'll go back and see previous films that i've done and download some of them so you know it's important to make sure the actual content is as good as it actually can be no, I hundred percent agree with you. You know, content is absolutely key, and that's the most important thing I'd say about being a creator. But then, closely followed behind that, annoyingly, is you know, the social media presence and the this and the that, and it's it's just too much for for me to. Well, it's not too much because I still do it, but it's more just I just do it and complain like the British do. But um, I want to ask. Um, with, yeah, but you uh, do it so well. So embrace <laughs> it. You know, when you do something well, you gotta you gotta embrace it. You know. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much. Obviously, I'm British, so I've got a predisposition to complain and that's already made me above a lot of the rest of the world in it so uh, it's unfair advantage but I want to ask um, I don't know if we spoke about it in the last chat but um, how long have you actually been doing Beer Nuts out of interest like when obviously for people who don't know I think you released the documentary that you sort of wrote edited produced all that sort of things uh, and starred in and then after that you kind of made Beer Nuts, Beer Nuts. so did you want to just um, briefly talk about sort of how long ago you started Beer Nuts and, and why it was again please Absolutely. So yeah, Beer Nuts Productions itself as a company uh, was founded in 2006. And then in 2010, uh, I released my first film, which was a 90 minute long documentary called I Will Not Go Quietly. And that's probably, well, it is the only serious film 
I've ever done. Everything else is sort of comedy based, but that's a proper genuine 90 minute documentary. And that was done in 2010. And since then I've gone on to do 16 uh, short comedy films, which all go for about 20, 25 minutes each. So they're not just two minute long films. They're proper 25 minute comedy films. I've also done eight audio downloads and five books. So yeah, there's quite a, quite a bit of content and that's all been done since 2010. Uh, so people are probably wondering, what did I do for the first four years, the 2006 to 2010? Uh, that was mainly trying to get uh, funding and support for Beer Nuts production. So I would go to different, uh, you know, production studios and distributors and producers and, and everybody and, you know, try and get funding for different projects. And then once they found out that I couldn't see that I'm legally blind, that's when they were like, yeah, not a chance. Uh, we're not giving you any funding. Like they would read the script and they go, oh, this is really great. We want to give you some funding and everything's great. And then they find out I can't see and it all gets pulled. So I got very frustrated with that, as people could well imagine. And so I thought, well, the best way to prove folks wrong, to show them that I can actually do what it is that I say I can do, is to actually make a film by myself. So I thought, well, the best, the, the easiest, well, not so much the easiest, but the cheapest uh, film I can make is a documentary, because essentially it's just talking heads. There's no, you know, stunt work needed or anything like that in a documentary. So they're reasonably cheap and straightforward to make. It's something I can edit myself. It's something I, I can shoot myself. So yeah, I, I thought, well, disability and mental health, they were the two subjects that are obviously close to my heart, being with my own personal story. And so, uh, yeah, I, I went about making the documentary and then that led on one thing to another. Because obviously after I made the documentary, I'm like, well, I want people to watch this, obviously. How am I going to do that? And uh, I thought, well, why not put it on my website? And then people, no matter where they are all over the world, so because I did get it played in a cinema in Australia, up in Brisbane. Um, but I mean, that's only going to, only a handful of people are going to see it there. And I want everybody to see it, you know. So uh, uh, I thought, well, if I put it up on the Beer Nuts Productions website, then everybody can see it no matter where they are in the world. So that's what I did. So yeah, and it's turned out to be, uh, that's my business model now. I make a project and I put it up on the website. So I'm a production company distributor all in one. So that's uh, no third party involvement at all. We're completely independent, which is really cool. Yeah, it is really cool, especially when you can kind of cut out the middleman of X, Y, Z. It does mean that a lot more of the sort of the work you put in is off your own back. It means you don't have to necessarily rely on, obviously you have to rely on sort of actors and things like that and that sort of thing. But like generally when it comes to, you know, releasing projects and uh, making sure it's being done and put online with the correct descriptions and all the sort of things that you want you had in your mind that you saw it as, you at least get to have an, a you basically get to do every part of it, every side of the coin, in a sense, every uh, every aspect of it. Whereas when you have like a middleman, you can have people who, you know, they're like, oh, the way you described it or the name, the, what you named it, I don't like that. I think it's going to do that well, so I want to change the name. And then you're thinking, well, well the name is well, I, that specifically winds in with everything else that goes along with the genre. And then if other people start getting in and start changing bits about it, that's one of the big things that a lot of uh, movie makers say is the problem with studios is that you have this big studio that comes in and they cut and change like 20 to 30% of the whole film. And then they say, oh, well, the film didn't do very well. Clearly it was something you did. And it's like, no, what I, what I did as a film was great. You tweaked and changed loads of stuff. And now suddenly it's not what I wanted it to be originally. And that's why. Well, hasn't done very well. 
Well, you're, you're absolutely right. So I have nobody telling me what I can and can't do. So I make the content that I want to make. You know, there's and a lot of the actors actually. It's funny because they're used to working on commercial type projects. You know, when we're at rehearsals, they're like, you know, how how quick do I have to do my lines? What how much time do we have to do this scene? And I always say to them, you've got as much time as it takes to do the jokes correctly. So there's no stress. The actors love it because there's no stress on them to get things done in a certain amount of time. You know, the, the joke is told how it needs to be told. And I've got nobody saying what I can and can't do. Nobody, no, you know, so there's no third party involvement, which means that it's uh, completely independent, which, which I think lends, as you well say, to a better product because I've got nobody, you know, breathing down my neck saying this joke's inappropriate. So <laughs> I can push the lines as far as I want to push them and I can, you know, I, I can do that joke that the studio might say, oh, that's a little bit rude. You can't do that or I don't like that or whatever. I can do all of that stuff. And that's absolutely fantastic. And I think it, I genuinely do believe it leads to a better product, which is great. It means that, you know, hopefully people enjoy it that bit more, you know, so it's fantastic. And that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Um, as I said in the show, you know, be sure to check out Beer Nuts Productions. I've included a link to the website below. It's definitely worth checking out if you're interested. And some of the movies that I've seen are really, really good. So, you know, definitely recommend go checking those out. Um, but in part two, which, as I said, will be released next week at the usual time, um, we talk about sort of Goff potentially making a sequel to his documentary, I Will Not Go Quietly, um, which the original documentary um, can actually be found on Beer Nuts Productions and can be downloaded for free so if you're interested in that make sure you go check that out and um, we also talk about some of Goss' favorite music and tv shows and podcasts how he met his friend and collaborator simon um some social issues that Goff likes to explore through his comedy um how Goff dislikes people telling him and anyone else how to live their life um the importance of humor and loads of other things so once again it's another great chat if you enjoyed part one then you're sure to enjoy part two and if you haven't already checked out um episode 48 of genuine chit chat uh, i implore everyone to go check that out because obviously that was when Goff first came on the podcast and we spoke about more of his blindness and just a lot more things sort of in depth. This second chat was a bit more of a catch up. So yeah, make sure you check those out. Um, coming up, um, I'm not exactly sure which episode I'm going to be releasing because obviously next week will be a part two. I should be having a chat with someone shortly after releasing part two of the chat with Goff. So I'm hoping to release the chat with them. Uh, and then on August 4th, I'll either be releasing the second part of the chat with the person I'm speaking to um, in a couple of weeks, um, if we do have a long enough chat to have two parts. Or I may end up just doing a, a little solo one where I just kind of rant into the microphone, kind of like I do at these outros, um, and just kind of see how that goes. Because um, I think i've mentioned it but from august 6th to 17th uh, i'm in mexico so i'm basically gone i won't be releasing an episode on the 11th i'm gonna have a proper break um i will likely be releasing an episode on the 18th as scheduled um but you know i'll, I'll know more about that basically august 4th whether or not i can really be bothered to um but after that i'll go back to the normal schedule you know i've got the chat recorded with uh, shaudo the uh, london rapper who is absolutely fantastic and he should have new music coming out around the time i release the podcast so that'll work out well uh, and i I've also recorded the chat with Callum of Placeholder, who's a very good friend of mine and was on the fourth ever episode of Genuine Chit Chat. And he talks about sort of being in a band, being a front man and lots of other things. So I've got a couple of cool ones lined up there and I've got a few other recordings of guests lined up. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. But, um, you know, if you want to keep up with me on the usual social media channels, Instagram is the one that I use the most. I post things to my story fairly regularly, which are normally photos of food. Um, I've got movie reviews that I post on there. There's audio snippets from 
all the chats that I do if you're a little on the fence about listening to an episode. Um, yeah, and the, I do take photos of other random things. I generally go out a fair amount, as in explore the world and things. There's quite a few photos of mini golf because I like to go mini golf quite a lot and I go to museums a fair amount too. So, you know, quite a nice amount of things on there on Instagram. Twitter's all about community for me and sharing other people's work and other podcasters and things. So if you're looking for more things to listen to, that's the best place to go for that. And then Facebook is just mainly movie reviews and audio snippets once uh, a week. So I don't use Facebook quite as much, but... That's about it for me, guys. I've rambled and ranted at the end of this for far too long. Um, so, you know, thanks always for listening, guys. Be sure to check out Beer Nuts Productions. Just at least just have a browse. No, uh, you know, no pressure to go and buy anything. Um, yeah, and I hope you all guys have a great week. So, yeah, thanks always for listening, guys. I appreciate each and every one of you listening, especially this far. And I'll talk to all of you next week. <laughs>